Today's podcast is brought to you by Elenco Animal Health and Kelly's Finance. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill. There are a few words which uh, strike fear into the hearts and minds of livestock owners wherever they are in the world than foot and mouth disease. Now it's Australia's turn to have their fear level heightened. Today our guest is a veterinarian who knows more about what's going on with FMD in Indonesia and what's being done here than possibly anyone else in Australia. Please make welcome from the island of Bali, Dr. Ross Ainsworth. Welcome, you're on the grill with Beef Central. Salamat datang, as they, <laughs> as they say in Bahasa. How was the accent? Oh, yeah, that'll do, that'll do. I could, I could figure that out. Well, and uh, salamat pagi, that means uh, good morning. Well, I just might say good day, Ross. How are you? Now, let's get the perspective good. Good right. Is this potentially the gravest risk to Australia's livestock industry you can recall? Oh, without doubt. Uh, yeah, the risk is uh, the disease has never been closer and the, the potential for travellers to, to become exposed to virus and bring it home has never been higher. Well, right today, perhaps not, but in the next month or two, when that really gets fired up in Bali, then that will be the time. Big, big risk. Now, the people who write algorithms about situations say the risk of FMD getting into Australia has now lifted from 9% to 11%. How does that sit with you? If I was writing algorithms from the air conditioning down there in Canberra, or probably the heating down there, um, sitting in a comfortable desk and not seeing any cows, I might come up with the same figure. But if those fellows uh, travelled around with me on my motorbike yesterday and saw the the hundred cows that are within less than five hundred metres radius from me, and I'm in Seminyak, the uh, the main probably the main tourist area of Bali, I think they might sharpen their pencil up a bit more and uh, push that number a bit up past 11. We'll get to Australia shortly, but first let's uh, concentrate on the FMD outbreak. It's now in Bali. What's happening there from local authorities? What are they doing trying to stop or at least contain this outbreak of FMD? Sadly, it would appear not much. The the, uh, Indonesian minister announced that there was going to be a great deal of disinfection going on and that he, he expected as a result of that, Bali would be free of FMD by next week. That was in the press. I can't say that he said it, but uh, he was reported to have said that in the press, in the local media. What sort You'd of... you have to say, what, what was he smoking? I'm just... <laughs> I'm just what, what sort of disinfectant are they using that would possibly kill this uh, FMD virus? Well, one of the good things uh, about the, uh, the virus is that it, it doesn't like high or low pH. So it's very easy to kill it with, kill the virus with disinfectants. Uh, and there are a number of them around. There's some high powered uh, sort of chemicals and there's also easy, easily accessible stuff. Literally, you know, orange juice, anything, anything with a uh, citrus is very acid and uh, bicarbonate soda is a, a high pH, so it's pretty easy to find stuff that will uh, kill the virus. Just recently, there was the Islamic Faith had the Kurban Festival, I think it's called, where animals are slaughtered often at mosques and and, and the meat is delivered to poor people. Talk us through what's actually happening there. From my perspective back here in Australia, it would look like that's one way to spread the disease. 
that's that's exactly. I I wrote a note about it the other day and sent it to some people, and I called it. Uh, this is the uh, this we've just had a super spreader event, like they 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 call it in in COVID terms, but essentially the festival of sacrifice, which is a very 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 important festival for for Muslims, they slaughter cattle, sheep, and goats, maybe uh, buffaloes too. And in the Middle East, they, they sacrifice camels. So it's a religious ceremony that the slaughter is done uh, often at the mosque or an abattoir or other convenient place. And then there are lots of people uh, assist and the meat is cut up and uh, apportioned to usually one kilo packs. So there's a team of people, it might be 10 or 15 people, and they all get their little part of the of the beast and and they cut it up and they, they someone at the end weighs the right amount into a plastic bag and then that's subsequently handed out to the uh, deserving people. Now this is hot meat, Ross, and has it been tested yeah. for FMD or is it they come possibly from FMD infected animals? Yes. So I, I my uh, a friend of mine was at a uh, at a Corbone location in Tabernan, which is about thirty kilometres here from from me in Seminyak, and there was a bull. He took a photograph of the bull there, and it, it looked like it probably had foot and mouth. It was uh, foaming at the mouth and, and dribbling, and it looked pretty crook. And that animal would then have been slaughtered, and, and the meat passed around to all of those people, and then packaged up and given away to a large number of other people. So there could have been 50 or 100 people that either got the meat or handled the meat uh, that then went home, and a, presumably a fair number of those would have had cattle in the backyard or been uh, able to uh, to come in contact with them. So I couldn't think of a, it'd be, it'd be flat out finding a better way to spread the disease. Ross, does the raw meat actually carry FMD? It can, yes. Yes, uh, it, especially it, warm meat. But is the meat safe to eat so they think it's okay? Yeah, perfectly safe. Yeah, there's no, there's no issue with the uh, uh, consuming the product. It's just the fact that it, because they've all been touched, the, the beast will have quite a bit of virus around it, around its mouth, around its feet. And once someone touches that and then also touches some meat or the plastic bag or whatever, or walks through the ground, you know, on the surface where some uh, saliva had been put their thongs on, then they take that home. And, and in this environment here, high humidity, it's been overcast for the last few days. The virus will almost certainly last on your shoe or on a plastic bag for probably a day or two. So plenty of time to take it to the next animal and, and off she goes. Wow. Now, look, is that, they're, they're using disinfectant, but is there a vaccination plan for Bali or indeed uh, Indonesia? Well, there is. There is uh, I'm not sure if you'd call it a plan. Uh, they've allocated, uh, they've actually distributed 800,000 doses and that's been documented and where it went, how many, who got what. Uh, that that went out about the 22nd or the 3rd of June that's and there's another 2.2 million doses. Yeah, I was just wondering, that's not in Bali, that's in Indonesia as an, as an entire country. Yeah, that's Indonesia yeah, totally. Right. Yep. Bali got 2,000 doses of yes, that. And they've got 600,000 cows to vaccinate, 700,000 pigs. So, you know, it's not going to be that helpful at this stage. There's another 2.2 million, 2 million doses in the fridge in Jakarta. And at this point, the government hasn't let it out. And it's not clear why they're not letting it out, because the only hope here is a, uh, a successful vaccination campaign. And it's not doing much good sitting in the fridge in Jakarta. 
So how many animals have been put down or culled in Indonesia or are they refraining from doing this for any reason? Yeah, they probably wouldn't be uh, sort of compulsory slaughtering too many animals. Um, there may have been some. There's no statistics on it. But there's been an awful lot of deaths and emergency slaughter. Once a big animal gets to the disease, it, it just lays down and you can't do anything with it. So it doesn't die immediately, but it just loses weight and perishes away. So you, you're better off to slaughter the poor thing and put it out of its misery and cut your losses. At least you can, you can sell the meat from such an animal. Uh, you can recover something, not much, but something. I guess the uh, average cattle person in Indonesia, if the Indonesian government says we're not paying compensation, he's very reluctant to admit that his beast has FMD. That's exactly the problem. Uh, the, the government here is in a real dilemma. They don't have enough money to pay the compensation. The animals here are very valuable. You know, They're probably worth about $3,000 a head. So uh, to uh, compensate adequately... It would be a massive uh, budgetary uh, problem. So they can't do that. And then, therefore, the, the farmer doesn't uh, advise anyone. When he has it, he deals with it himself. And where possible, he'll send it off to slaughter. So he effectively, you, you encourage the spread of the disease by not having adequate compensation. But there's not, not a lot they can do. So it's a very, very uh, unsatisfactory situation and likely to, to just promote spread. Until, until adequate vaccine turns up. The vaccine is very, very effective, but you need two doses. So the, the product they've got is a Boehringer product. I believe it comes from France or Belgium. Very good vaccine. It needs two shots 21 days apart and then a booster in six months. So if you've got 15 million cattle that you need to vaccinate, you need 45 million doses to do one proper round of vaccination. And so far they've got two. Amazing. And most of that's in the fridge. So... We're in the worst possible situation. We have the disease, but we don't have the vaccine to protect the animals from getting lots of infection and therefore spreading lots of virus. Now, that doesn't matter if it's in Borneo, as far as an Australian's concerned, but it matters in Bali. Uh, the, the, the numbers of tourists here in Bali are astronomical. It looks like the old days. There's so many here. It looks like pre-COVID days when every time you turn around, there's a, a bunch of tourists walking down the street, going into the shop, in rest, restaurants are full. Lots of tourists here, and they're only here for one one week or maybe a bit more, and then home they go. Do they walk through the, and, the, the wet markets, until, Ross? Do they have wet markets there and cattle walking the streets or on the beach or near the beach? wet markets here, but I don't see the wet markets as being particularly... Dangerous. Their potential. There is there is uh, pork and uh, and meat and other things uh, that potentially could be infected presented at the wet markets. But the uh, the main the main risk is is I think is tourists coming across uh, the cattle, which are here right in the tourist area, and and if they're shedding virus, then they can walk down the road. And then you step in the, the saliva or other discharges and it's on your shoe for the next couple of days. Wow. So step in the virus, get on the plane, go home, uh, you've got live virus on your shoe, ready to go if you come in contact with a, uh, with a cow or a pig. If you go on a farm yourself, the result could be appalling. Now, I just yeah. want to mention the live trade. Has the live trade out of Australia to uh, Indonesia stopped? Uh, surprisingly, it hasn't stopped. But it's, it's pretty close. It's very, very uh, uh, much reduced. But there are some brave souls who uh, 
<laughs> beyond me, I wouldn't dream of bringing in a boatload of cattle until I had a fridge full of vaccine. But some are bringing, bringing cattle in, probably as we speak, and they are at diabolical risk uh, of becoming infected and then you lose your money. The only good news about that is that the feeder, the, the boss indigus cattle, are, are relatively resistant and also young small cattle are relatively resistant. So a 300-kilogram Brahmin feeder steer is pretty hardy when it comes to the disease, and so they'll just be get crooked and lose a bit of weight, and uh, but subsequently recover. But you've probably done your dough in terms of a uh, commercial uh, fattening proposition. You might recover something, but uh, you'll be at, at risk of not making any money or potentially losing some. So I can't see the point in bringing cattle in at the moment. But it's happening. And those, Other people and have a different risk. And those, uh, those stronger animals could, of course, uh, spread it to weaker animals. Absolutely. Um, strangely, the weaker animals are the bigger, heavier animals because they suffer more from their foot lesions and their, their claw tends to, the hard part of their claw tends to separate and fall off. So then they're unable, to, there's so much pain, they're unable to stand up. And once you've got a big 500 kilogram steer, they can't stand up. You know, there's not much you can do except uh, emergency slaughter. Let's take a uh, short break now to hear a message from our podcast partner, Alenco Animal Health. This podcast is brought to you by CompuDose, a proven way to maximise growth rates in grass-fed cattle. CompuDose allows you to target and achieve specifications for most major markets, including MSA grading and feedlots. Contact Alanco and find out how CompuDose can grow your beef operation. Results may vary depending on nutrition. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're on the grill with Beef Central and today's guest from Bali in Indonesia, Dr. Ross Ainsworth and the subject foot and mouth disease. Ross, so some people in Australia are suggesting that we should ban flights to and from Bali for the immediate future. Does that fix the problem or it fixes it as far as Australia goes, but it doesn't much for Indonesia or indeed Bali, does it? Yeah, look, I, I have heard that too. Personally, I don't think it's necessary. Uh, it's it's quite possible to, with, with, with appropriate biosecurity measures, to, to make the, uh, the return of travellers uh, reasonably safe, quite safe. So I don't see any reason to, uh, to ban tourism, but what I, I would like to do is ramp up the biosecurity that's involved when people come home. Or footpaths or something like that. Is, that. is that a protocol that should be in place? That's Well, I've been saying for a while that the, the biggest risk is for people stepping in, in the virus that's on the ground in the tourist area and uh, then taking it home on their shoe and therefore a foot bath would go a long way with all the other measures they've got to assisting. So the, the thing that you that you see here, if you, if you watch what the cows do, is that the farmer keeps his cow in the backyard mostly where he has a little pen and then during the daytime he walks that animal out to a vacant block or wherever there's a bit of grass somewhere, usually vacant land in between villas and... Uh, various other vacant land, back of schools and things. And then in the evening, they walk them back again. And 
in doing so, they walk them out past tourist villas and then on the way back, they walk them back past tourist villas again. So if you walk out of your villa, you'll you'll almost, uh, in many cases, be walking over an area that cattle pass by during the day. And I've got you know photos to show that this is what really happens. I'm not making it up. They don't walk past every villa, but they walk past a lot of them. I think there's a, actually a sponsorship scheme for people to surrender their flip-flops or thongs, as we call them over in the east coast, west coast, east coast, I beg your pardon. Uh, is, is that realistic or is it just a bit of a publicity stunt? I'm not sure. I would have thought. So the, the general rule is that if you launder your clothes and give your shoes and thongs or whatever else a, a good scrubbing with uh, soap and water, you'll probably have it pretty well covered. The thongs that I've got, they're pretty hard hard rubber and I, I'm sure I could clean them up all right. But uh, uh, if you surrendered your thongs, well, that would be a fairly radical uh, step. Uh, most people coming to and from Bali uh, come in thongs. I've just been on a flight back to Darwin, and I can confirm that's the case. But whether it's, whether it's necessary to take the thongs away instead of just giving a good scrub, uh, it'd have to go to a, a bacteria, a, a, a virologist to get the, uh, the final answer. Yeah, Ross, I think uh, it'd be pretty safe. The, all the... Uh, the, the stuff is spreading to mainstream media and there's talk of a vaccination program. Is a vaccination program wise or recommended in Australia? And we don't have the vaccine in Australia anyway, do we? Part of the uh, reason that Australia is able to to send uh, livestock and meat to all parts of the world without restriction uh, for foot and mouth is that we don't have vaccination. So if you have vaccine in the country your status goes down. It implies that there could be vaccine in animals and that puts you at a, at a lower status than places without vaccination. So Brazil, for example, is its designation is free of FMD but with vaccination. So they get a much lower status than, than Australia. Now, there are long-term repercussions if we do a vaccination program, aren't there? The only way we would be doing vaccination in Australia if we got infected. Yes, so, once you're infected, then you then you start the long process to gain freedom again. So, firstly, you've got to eradicate the the diseases there. I'm sure that could be done. Well, as long as it didn't get the feral pigs. Uh, yes, that's a big but, question uh, here being discussed at the moment. Well, if it gets into the ferals, we may as well give up. I mean, because that just that would be impossible to track and trace, wouldn't it? It's yeah, very, very hard. So we may end up being like Brazil and just vaccinate and uh, and uh, be stuck with it forever. Uh, but once, let's say we, we were lucky and the the it got into cattle in somewhere where there wasn't any pigs and it was eradicated with controlled uh, uh, test and slaughter and also some vaccination, then you have to wait at least a year, probably more like two, until you, you are certified free again and you have to do an awful lot of proof that you are free and you're certainly not allowed to use any vaccine during this, a certain period. I'm not sure exactly how long it is, but I think it's at least a year and might be longer. Right, so very, so uh, even if we clear it up on day one, we're locked out of the world for at least a year, good probably a lot more. Time for a brief message from our sponsor, Kelly's Finance. Established since 1988, Kelly's Finance Group have the finance solutions 
when it comes to agribusiness lending, from property loans and livestock funding to machinery and vehicle finance. They are the experts in arranging finance on behalf of their clients that not only ensures market-leading interest rates, but more importantly, financing that is suited to your agricultural operations, not your lender's bottom line or their preferred security position. With access to an array of specialist and traditional finance providers, there's no job too big or too small for the Kelly's Finance Group team. Contact Kelly's Finance Group today for an independent and confidential discussion and how we can add value to your business moving forward. Welcome back. You're on the grill with Beef Central and today's guest from Bali in Indonesia, Dr. Ross Ainsworth and the subject foot and mouth disease. Now, a very basic question for the benefit of livestock owners all over Australia. What does FMD look like in an infected animal? And there is, any, is there any early way of detecting it before they start frothing at the mouths, for example? Uh, not, not visually. Uh, I, I read up the, uh, the, the uh, technical stuff just the other day, and it says that the animals can be shedding virus uh, up to four full days before they show any signs at all. So these cows walking past your villa, uh, they could easily be shedding virus uh, but look perfectly healthy. And once they do get sick, it is reasonably easy to observe and confirm, well, or, or, or have a fairly high degree of certainty visually because they, they foam at the mouth and, and drool because their mouth, their big blisters and uh, ulcers in their mouth, which are very sore and make them uh, salivate, hypersalivation. And they also get blisters between their toes, which are extremely painful, especially in heavier animals when their toes tend to try to separate. So they become lame and they get a fever and they get generally quite sick. So I, I've been riding each day. I, I go out and I look at the three large groups of cows in my, my immediate area. And it's very easy to see. They all look very healthy, bright. There's no salivation. There's no lameness. Uh, they're all eating. They're all uh, chewing their cud. They look. They look fine. I reckon if, if uh, once it gets into the, any of those animals, I'll be able to spot it straight away because instantly some of them will be looking poorly and potentially be starting to salivate and and be lame. So pretty easy to to at least get a, a, a high suspicion of disease and then you confirm it with laboratory testing. I guess uh, a conclusion to make for property owners all over Australia, do not, to the best of your ability, allow anybody onto your property that's been to Bali in the past week or fortnight or so. Absolutely. Yeah. Any, anyone coming into your farm or property or whatever it is where you have uh, uh, susceptible animals yeah, just say, look, have you have you been have you been away on holiday to Bali? And if you have, you know, don't don't come for a week. A sidebar question. And clean your clean all your gear as well. Yes, absolutely. Now, sidebar question, Ross. In the in the noise about FMD, LSD, lumpy skin disease, all but forgotten. Is this going to get into Australia? Is that inevitable? I believe it's inevitable. Yes. Uh, I can't see any logical reason why it won't get to Australia. It's gradually making its way through through Indonesia, a lot slower than foot and mouth because it's nowhere near as infectious. 
but because it's spread by insects, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. It'll gradually go in an easterly direction through the island chain until it gets to Timor, which is the closest uh, area uh, to Australia. And then on the monsoon, it's there's uh, potential for it to blow across the Timor Sea and turn up in Darwin. Now, if that's too far for the uh, infected uh, insects to fly or be blown, then it's it's still a fairly easy process for them to continue their their journey through the eastern islands over to New Guinea, down through New through West Papua first, and then Papua New Guinea, and then down and cross over the Torres Strait where you can throw a stone across there. So absolutely no problem that insects will be able to fly across there. So I can't see any reason why it won't go all the way through Papua and then come down through Cape York. Gee, thanks for that, Ross. <laughs> I was trying to finish on a positive note, so I'll have one more question now, which hopefully will positive. We'll have a positive response. If Australia avoids any FMD, there will be or could be a positive result for Australian exporters of cattle to Indonesia when that country puts a lid on the current FMD outbreak. They will need replacement cattle, I assume. Absolutely correct. The the uh, the biggest impact so far has been on dairy cows because they're large and heavy on their on their injured feet, and also heavy ox. Big well, they're, they're all bulls here. They're not uh, not castrated. So big heavy ox that were all being kept for Corban for slaughter. A lot of those would have died. Uh, they they wouldn't have died of the disease, but they're all laying on their side, and so you've got no option but to slaughter them. A lot of animals have vanished and, and they'll continue to vanish until their vaccine program gets up to scratch. So I can see a very large proportion of their local herd, particularly their heavyweight animals, being wiped out. Could be 25%. So those animals are a significant proportion of the wet meat, the hot meat market in Indonesia. So our cattle will be required to fill that gap. So I believe you're right, and there will be strong demand later this year, maybe early next year. So once there's a good vaccination program going and there's plenty of vaccine in the fridge at the feedlot, then then the demand, I believe, will, will be very strong to just back to go back to the original levels and then ramp up past that into uh, additional numbers to make up for the gap in the domestic production area. That's wonderful. A light on the hill. A little dim, but maybe it's there. As usual, Ross, a font of information. Thank you for joining us again on Beep Central. Good to be with you, Kerry. Cheers. And thank you for joining me today. Until next time, I'm Kerry Lonigan, and this is The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Alenko Animal Health and the Kelly's Finance Group. Beep.